everybody, whether you're the president of a company or the paperboy, everybody has the exact same amount of time. You and I both have 24 hours a day. No more, no less. The question is, what do you do with your time? Real quick, my friends, go get my new book. It's called The Power to Publish. And it's at the top of the page of zbooks.co at the link, my new book. And it's going to help you with all of your self-publishing needs. Okay, back to that podcast. Welcome to ZBooks Successful Authors Podcast. And with me today, I have Tom Grossman, the author of the new number one best-selling book in Christian Bibles. It's called Reign of Fire, Jesus Warned About a False Messiah and a Global Trap 2,000 Years Ago. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Hey, how you doing, Eric? Good, good. How are you? Great. Great to talk to you again after that little break. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we've been doing some setup here. By the way, yeah. I like that lion in the back on, on yeah, your background there. Yeah, that's one of the pictures of Jesus as the, the lion of uh, Judah. Yeah. Oh, really? I, I, was, I, I was thinking that. I, I thought there was yeah. something behind that. Yeah. So his, his first coming, he came as a lamb. And then his yeah. second coming, what we're talking about in the book, he comes as a lion. Awesome. And uh, it's going to be a totally different, uh, yeah. you know, personality he shows forth. So. Let's anyway, get that, to your book, but let's talk about you a little bit first. Tell us about yourself. Sure. sure. Well, what, what would you like to know? You're a pastor in North Texas. Yes. And yes. I, I, I've been in the ministry about 20 years. Uh, mm -hmm. About a year ago, I stepped down from a uh, uh, staff pastor position at a, about a 2,000-member church out here. Mm -hmm. And uh, started a house church, and uh, another buddy of mine named Norm Frederick, uh, who just moved here from Germany a couple, about three years ago. He's from here, but he was living in, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Hernhut, Germany. Hmm. Hernhut. It's a little yeah. town, uh, but it's a town where they had a 100-year uh, a prayer meeting uh, going. Huh. Uh led by the Moravians down in Hernhut. Anyway, Norm, Norm was there serving as a missionary and he just moved back. But uh, So he's leading a couple meetings. I lead a couple meetings. We've got several people that are leading different meetings at homes. And of course, lately we've been doing everything on Zoom or FaceTime. So cool. this yeah. uh, shutdown. So, but we're ready to get back. Hugs yeah, that's, that. that's awesome. With technology nowadays, we can do that, huh? Yeah, yeah. So what got and, you into writing? Well, uh, actually, 20 years ago, uh, as a matter of fact, 20, this is kind of my story. 20 years ago, I was just a regular guy going to church. Uh, my wife and I tried all the different meetings at the church. I mean, it was a great church here in uh, Grand Prairie, Texas. <clears throat> and a, and a, this friend of mine, Norm Frederick, invited me to this conference uh, at another church. It was a about the house of prayer they were starting out what was called a house of prayer uh and uh it was really they had some great speakers and worship and 
I was in the back row, Eric. I'm not kidding you. Back then, I mean, this this had about 450 uh, past senior pastors, uh, worship leaders, music, you know, just all these key people from uh, the DFW area. I'm in the back row thinking I don't even belong here. And during the worship time, I'm looking up at the ceiling, you know, just praising the Lord like we do. And all of a sudden, this, the ceiling disappeared in this building, and I'm looking up into the heavens. I mean, I'm like looking up in the sky, and I, I'm like, what is that? And I look around the room, and nobody notices but me. And I'm seeing the Lord uh, Jesus Christ coming back on his white horse like he promised with the host of heaven and he's coming right down to Dallas uh the <laughs> Dallas Fort Worth area and I'm seeing a vision is what I was seeing cool and uh he's coming and all the all the people from the region were lined up on both in this vision were lined up on both sides of highway 30 and as the lord was coming down I looked at the people and they were all weeping and wailing and like moaning and I was like, what is this? And this idea that we're not, we're not ready for this just whoop, went into me hmm. and it like awakened me. And the next thing you know, I mean, I'm talking like the next day, my wife and I are start, we're in uh, five, two hour prayer meetings a week. We're going to prayer meetings at six in the morning and mm -hmm. six at night. And I mean, we're next to that, you know, a few months later, we're in 10 meetings a week and it just grew from there. And at one point we were doing a hundred hours of live worship and prayer a week uh, in this little building. And it was just a powerful time. Of, uh, wow. How week. much? A hundred hours a week. We had wow. like, about 55, 60 meetings a week, or 200, over 200 meetings yeah. a week with live worship teams and prayer leaders and uh, just a nice. powerful time. So I've been in that type of ministry and that really got, we imported that from Kansas City. There's a ministry called the International House of Prayer led by a guy named Mike Bickle, who's really the the papa of all this we're the same age but i mean this guy's a giant in in a giant in prayer a giant in the faith really you would probably have never heard of him but in the yeah christian community he's a very well-known guy worldwide That's and cool. uh, anyway that that vision just kind of put me into this thing and when 9-11 hit about a year and uh nine months later i i was actually i had become the leader of this ministry first i would didn't even know what i was doing there then the next yeah. thing you know i'm like leading it so step up to the plate huh yeah so when 9 11 happened uh i didn't even know we didn't even have a tv we we're trying to stay out of media and all that mm. you know because we we're so invested in prayer and the word of god and just uh so when 9 11 happened uh it was like, what was that? You know, I mean, in the spirit, in the spiritual realm, like what, what just happened? And I had been so leading prayer meetings. So I'm like talking to God and, you know, all these hours every week for the last year and nine months. And I'm like, God, what is this? And uh, our church had a big meeting at our house of prayer. There was about 200 people there. 
and one you know leader after leader got up to try to you know try to say well it was the government's fault and you know it was the muslims and it was you know it was this it was that and it, all of them spoke and at the end i asked the senior pastor i said hey can i say something mm -hmm. and he said yeah go ahead and uh i said guys I'm, I'm not sure, but what I believe happened is God just blew a trumpet in, in, to the church, telling the church to awake and return to him, that it's time to really return to our, our first love. The thing you were saying, the one thing you were saying, do the one thing, that actually comes from Jesus. Ah. He's, he's comparing two women, one who is sitting at his feet, weeping and the other one is working in the kitchen and he's saying this one at his feet mary chose the one thing oh, you yeah. know and oh. the lord was calling us back to our one thing and that weekend at a conference i actually met with mike bickle and we just hit it off and cool. got to talk about the whole thing all weekend and i realized that i didn't really know anything about end time prophecy and so uh I began to read through the book of Revelation from cover to cover uh, every day out loud in our house of prayer. I'd do it on a microphone. I'd have instrumental music going when we'd usually have a team in there. And after a while, people just like nobody would come in there because you're reading about all the all this fire and all this blood and all these judgments and glory and you know it's just smoke and and uh, people just. They, they knew what was going on in there, but they didn't really want anything to do with it. And I, I kind of like just for, for about 40 days, maybe longer than that, but like just from cover to cover every day until, until the Lord, you know, released me from that. But I began to study the book of Revelation. And at first it was so confusing. I mean, it's a, all this symbolism and everything. And it took, I mean, years of real persistence of asking God, what does this mean? What is, I'm reading it, but it's, you know, yeah. Yeah. seemed like all this confusion. And so uh, after maybe four or five years, I started getting a, a handle on it to where I felt like I could start teaching it a little bit. And then uh, I've taught classes and, you know, it, it's been, been something every time I teach, people say, what, you need to write a book. Yeah. You know, you yeah. need to write a book about it. And, uh, a couple of years ago, I was at a conference and a, another speaker who's uh, a well-known writer, uh, his name's Samuel Whitfield. He writes on the, uh, the re second coming as well. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, man, you, you just, the message you gave was a great outline for the, you know, the return of the Lord. He said, man, you need to get that in a book. So, so that's kind of where I really decided to press into it and, and get the work done. You know. Cool. Well, first of all, congratulations, number one bestseller in Christian Thank Bibles. You. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but you said something interesting a minute ago, among other things, uh, God blew a trumpet. Weren't there seven trumpets? Yes. Yeah. And so which trumpet was it? Number one? Well, and here's the thing, you know, people will say, that will say, use that expression. Yeah. It wasn't a biblical, one of the seven, it wasn't one of the seven trumpets, but that was good that you knew there were seven. Uh, but a, what trumpets were used for in Bible times, uh, most people don't know this, but trumpets were used as the public address system. Mm -hmm. Cities 
I mean, they didn't have electricity or way to amplifiers or anything. So they would blow trumpets to alert the city or, or an army, gather an army together, the enemy's coming. But it was a way to, to inform the city about emergencies, mm -hmm. gathering together, moving out, you know, moving in, it, in Moses' time, moving the camp, you know. Yeah. Uh, so a trumpet blast is really like just a loud announcement. And yeah. uh, it's interesting, our president is named Trump. Oh, yeah. And I, I like to yeah. call him, I like to call him, he's, he's really is a trumpet, not, not. He'd be number seven, yeah. huh? Trumpet number seven. <laughs> yeah, trumpet. There's a lot, there's a lot more to Trump than meets the eye, but uh, he is a lot, he's, he's exposing things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that we, we didn't really think about before. And things are being exposed in our country. All the, all the, you know, conflict and division and all these things are being exposed. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into it. Why do you think, so it says, is the current global lockdown a sign of the last days? And so why do you think, or yeah, what's your answer to that? What, what tell us more about your book and the reason yeah. you think well, so. I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm making a point in the book that all the technology that we've developed. Think about this, Eric. You're you're in your forties, right? Late forties. Oh, thank you, thank Mid -40s, you. Forties, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm in my I'm sixty four, but uh, I've got children that are uh, 41, 40, 30, and then twenty uh, thirty two and twenty six. <laughs> like and uh, so two of them weren't even born when the internet started. Think about mankind has gone through all of yeah. mankind's history yeah. and all the development we've had, you know, just in the last 140 years, mm -hmm. you know, we've had uh, electricity, <laughs> you know, in homes with light bulbs. We've had, yeah. you know, the telephone, we've had radios, we've had movies with talking pictures, we've had air conditioning, all these things are just recent things that we're totally here in America and probably in a big city like Germany, of course, you're totally used to this stuff. And we grew, we grew up with it knowing what a telephone was. But I remember when the telephone was, you know, the box was in the wall. Yeah, yeah the, me too. The phone, yeah, the phone was made out of ceramic. Yeah, yeah. And we had a big family and we only had one phone one time my sister was yeah talking on the phone and i'm saying get off the phone she's my older sister <laughs> get off the phone i need to make a phone call and finally she, she grabbed me around the head and beat my head with that telephone about 15 times i'm telling you what i had lumps all over that's what phones were like back then yeah and you and could now, spy on people in the other room by picking up the phone yeah you had to be pretty <laughs> stealthy exactly so but we didn't even have answering machines or anything yeah. like that i mean that yeah. was when we got the answering machine that was like wow yeah beepers you know so just in the last 30 years you know the internet was invented and think yeah. about how fast now we've come yeah uh, to almost every person not every person but even in nations like India, they have 90% of the citizens of India are in a database, a biometric database. Yeah. I mean, that's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. In the United States, it's, we'd be surprised. We, we, 
would be surprised at how much they know about each individual in the country, you know. But when we talk about this pandemic, what it's done is it's given the, the government more and more control over the citizens' lives. Telling us, you know, like they're telling people, hey, you can, you've got to shut down your restaurant now for the next three months. What? Yeah, yeah. It just took me a million dollars to get to this point. I just shut it down now because people are getting sick. Yeah, got to shut it down. Yeah. I mean, every, you know, it's killing the economy. All this stuff is happening because people are afraid in this spirit of fear going through the internet and all the, we don't know, uh, you know, now they're, they're doing testing and you've probably read some of this, but uh, in New, in New York and in California where 12 to 15 times as many people have had this virus and recovered from it had the antibodies and them totally recovered yeah. from it and never knew they even had it yeah 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 i'm convinced so, I, mean, I had it too in uh, yeah. january this year we all had a really bad cough and uh, we were always already saying stuff like man that was a that was a pretty hard uh, cold or or flu yeah. this year never had that one before and that was right. this january i had to take 10 days off of work something yeah. like that but yeah i i agree so so now it's totally plunged uh, the united states almost into a socialist country that everyone's been saying you know these young people are rooting for you know just give us all the money give us now the government's doing it trump would have never agreed to this any other way but they're printing so much money right now mm. just throwing baskets of money at everybody and it's like what it's going to do to the economy so the whole the whole thing what I talked about is I really believe it's it's another layer, another two, three, four layers of government surveillance, government control. Uh, one of the big tech guys, uh, Mark Cuban, you probably know Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Mavericks. He said what we should do is hire millions of people to be contact, uh, you know, contact of, you know, they, they are looking for people who have been, uh, contacted the virus you know yeah, they've yeah. contracted the virus and so now they have people that are checking everybody for the virus and then they're putting them on you know a database or whatever and tracking them yeah, yeah. contract tra contact trackers and yeah. it's like what you know that google already does that yeah i mean this yeah. so so we're coming to a time where big brother is really i mean it's really here yeah so that's yeah. that's part of it the part that most people don't realize, and this is the biblical part of it, is that uh, for 1,870 odd years, the nation of Israel did not exist. I mean, Israel, Israel was there from the time of uh, Joshua, especially the time of uh, the time of King David. Mm -hmm. Israel was there for several, a couple thousand years. And then in 70 AD, this was about 35 years after Christ, mm -hmm. the temple was destroyed and the, the Jews were scattered all over the nations. You know, mm -hmm. that's how they wound up in Chicago and Poland and Germany and Europe, all over the, all over the nations was because of this uh, thing that happened in 70 AD. Hmm. Well, they haven't been a nation for all those years. And then in 1948, Mm -hmm. You know, because of things that happened during World War II and then uh, the uh, 
United Nations granted them a charter to go back to Israel and to have Palestine, you know, have cut out that piece of land that was theirs in the first place. Yeah. And so for all those years, Israel did not exist. Well, biblically, Jesus Christ cannot come back until there's a nation of Israel, but something else has to happen as well. And that's the, the Jerusalem temple has to be rebuilt. It's really clear from uh, the teachings of Daniel, uh, Jesus himself, uh, you know, if this is in the gospel of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's writing in Revelation, plus the Apostle Paul. So you got all the, the main writers mm -hmm. of the New Testament all are saying he's not coming back until there's a, a temple because there will, be, there will come a man that will make a peace treaty with Israel, a seven-year peace treaty. He'll have the temple rebuilt. And then in the middle of the, I mean, he's going to be like a big hero to Israel. He's going to be mm -hmm. there. They're going to start to think he's the Messiah. So himself. do you think that's Trump? Well, I, no, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's Trump except. Uh, uh, he moved the embassy back. Yeah, I know he's doing a lot of the Jews. They're even naming streets and towns yeah, after yeah. Trump. Yeah. I even have a coin from the, it's like a temple, like a pre-temple coin with, his picture on it with uh, King mm -hmm. Cyrus, they compare him to wow. King Cyrus who rebuilt the temple. Wow. In, uh, what was it? Five, uh, mm -hmm. boy, it was about 515 or something mm -hmm. uh, after Israel had been captive to the Babylonians. But uh, Trump is an interesting guy in that he really, really wants to make this peace treaty with Israel, and they've all him and Netanyahu have already talked publicly about the rebuilding of a temple. Mm -hmm. This guy Trump has built; he's a builder. He, yeah, he wants to yeah. build a wall, but he's built these fabulous hotels. He's built you know resorts. He's built golf courses. I mean, the guy's a builder. He takes casinos. Yeah. He likes to put his name on everything. And I'm, I've told my friends, I'm like, hey, I wouldn't rule it out if the temple <laughs> is named Trump Temple. I'm not, I mean, I'm just not kidding you. So do you think but, that, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, but, but to say he would be the Antichrist, I don't really believe that, although, although he's got a couple things going for him, which I just mentioned, on top of the fact that Christians love him. I mean, the evangelicals, in charismatics in the United States, they love him. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, I, I have friends that have gone so crazy over him, man. If you don't vote, vote for Trump, I'm not kidding you. You're yeah, not going to be their friend would anymore. Would that make him the Antichrist? Well, yes. Ah, so okay. are people, is he deceiving people? If he, if he does that, would he yeah. be deceiving But if people? he rebuilds the temple... Yes. Well, rebuild the temple and make this seven-year peace treaty. He's got to do both. He's got to make this seven-year peace treaty. That's the key thing. The temple has to be rebuilt, uh -huh. which they could do tomorrow. But you're Israel, not saying symbolically, actually rebuilding it. Rebuilding it. Because uh -huh. okay. there's gonna, the Antichrist will stand in the temple. For three and a half years, the temple will be built and the Orthodox Jews, they've, uh, they've already got this all worked out. I mean, the Orthodox Jews will have animal sacrifices 
going day and night in the temple like they did in in Jesus' time. That's what was going on when Jesus was. And so uh, they haven't had that since 70 AD, okay? Mm-hmm. So the, the, that will have, the temple will be rebuilt, those sacrifices will be going on, and then the Antichrist will step into the building and say, out of the way, I'm God. But some things will happen first, uh, which I talk about in the book, is that it says three times in the book of Revelation in chapter 13 that he's called the beast in Revelation that he will suffer a fatal wound and yet live. Three times it says in the, the, chap, the main chapter about the beast, the Antichrist, says three times in that chapter, he will suffer a fatal wound and yet live. Now, who's that sound like? Yeah. Who's, I'm, who's that sound like before you go further? A fatal wound and live. He's risen from the dead. Who yeah, is that? It sounds like Jesus. Sounds like Jesus, and that's why he's called symbolically the Antichrist. He's he's against Christ, but he's so much he's he does so many deceiving things that look like what Jesus did. People are going to go, "Oh my goodness, he, yeah. he's even been raised from the dead." Hmm. It's got to be. It's got to be the Messiah. It's got to be the real Christ. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but. Uh, I was a little confused because the person who rebuilds the temple doesn't have to be the Antichrist. Right, right? doesn't have to be. Okay. The Antichrist, though, will be the guy that makes the seven-year treaty with Israel, and it says in Daniel, many others. And for years, people have thought that it would have to be between the Israelites and the Palestinians. And that's been that's been the policy of the United States ever since... Uh, Israel became a nation was to, you know, to have them make peace there. And then the yeah. two-state solution was, was, uh, came into effect. There's got to be two states. Well, Trump has said publicly, he's, and the way Trump deals with people is, he's like, hey, if they don't want to make a deal, you can't make a deal with them. Hmm. He's yeah. like, he took all the money away that we were giving the Palestinians because they were wasting it and burning our flag and saying they hate America. So he took all their, they were getting like $500 million a year from us. He took that away. Trump has made, he's making deals with every other nation in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, uh, Egypt, uh, Lebanon. I mean, on and on and on. He's making every nation basically except Iran Mm -hmm. and Syria and Turkey, where Turkey's got other issues. But He's, he's, these nations need protection from Iran. That's what they're worried about. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to give them, the Antichrist will probably, and this is what Trump's plan is, is to give them protection, military protection from Iran, and yet give Israel protection from Iran and the Palestinians and give them the chance for real, you know, to be a regular yeah. member out there, which they haven't been. Yeah. And uh, so the rebuilding of the temple has n- it, the peace treaty probably has nothing to do with the Palestinians. It's going to be with these other nations that will all come to agreement and say, yes, we're going to support Israel. Hmm. And they're going to basically reject the Palestinians and Iran. That's my, yeah. that's the way I'm thinking on it. And that's what's happening right now. But whether that happens or not, 
you know, who knows? Yeah. But that's the way it looks to me. So. Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to have to read the book of Revelations again. Maybe your book too here. No, but, yeah, um, you better read mine. <laughs> yeah. You probably won't understand it. You know, it's a hard book to understand until you, you know, yeah. get some grid, grid work for it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Revelations. So, so that's, um, that's an excellent point because what's the difference between then and now, for example, like 20 years ago, because, you know, man, when I used to live in California, exactly 20 years ago, um, uh, I lived there for until I was 27 years old. And me and my friends and my family were already, already saying, man, it's the end of times. It's going to, the, the, sh the shit's going to hit the fan this year for sure. I had friends that they were burying their guns in the desert and yeah, building yeah. bunkers and stuff. And um, so, without getting into Keynesian economics, if you can call it that, uh, we've been we've been saying this for twenty years, and nothing happens. Yeah. It's not maybe it fizzles a bit, but right. nothing happens. So, what's the difference between then and now? Or can you put a timeline on it? Well, I I think what you've got is you've got Israel as a nation. When Israel became a nation, every, there was a lot of people who thought oh, it's going to happen within one generation uh, from then because Jesus made a comment about when you see these things, this generation won't pass away. But what he was referring to was the, the building of the temple and the abomination. When you see those things happen. Mm -hmm. So the timeline, the timeline I'm looking at is I'm looking at a president that could make this peace treaty happen that really wants to make it. And I think Trump, the one thing he has is this huge, and I love, I love our president. I'm, I'm I love your flag up there. I love our president. I voted for him. I'm going to vote for him again, but he has this huge insecurity in him where he really wants to be loved by everybody. You know, he stirs up all these fights all day long. But really deep inside, he wants he wants to be the guy everybody fawns over, and uh, he if he makes this deal, which he's calling the deal of the century, if he makes this deal, then he'll go down in history as the greatest right as the greatest deal maker, the greatest president ever, the deal that nobody could make. And so I think that pressure on him to do it. And all the situations around Israel that are really brewing like this, uh, the fact that Iran's probably going to have uh, atomic weapons anytime, you know, within the next who knows when, you know, we, we don't even hear those reports anymore. There's so much other junk going on. But uh, just everything's cooking toward that time. Is, you know, Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, him rejecting the Palestinians and saying, I don't care about them they don't matter in this deal that and they rejected his peace offer i mean he offered them a deal with worth 50 billion dollars just to start and they just yeah. said no to it without yeah. even looking at it yeah. so i think trump if he gets elected he will have the uh the uh political clout and the clout in the world in other words the guys that were trying been trying to get rid of him it's just really not going to work anymore Mm -hmm. He's going to be in for another four years. And I think that clout that he carries, he can put all that to use in making this peace treaty and mm -hmm. letting them build this temple. And I think that's something that really burns in his heart. I mean, his, 
His yeah. uh, son-in-law, Jared, is a Jewish a Jewish uh, guy. I mean, he's he's Jewish. His, da- his daughter is converted to Judaism. Yeah. He's got this huge group of uh, Christian leaders around him who are all pushing him to to build this temple. They're from another they're from another thought. Uh, another uh, line of thought than I am on the end times. They believe this, this temple will be built. It'll be a great thing and they'll be raptured before the antichrist comes. That's their thinking on it. That's like the, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jerry, Jerry Jenkins books left behind Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins sold like 50 million books left behind. That's all based on this, one one isolated scripture and it was built on a theology that's about 300 years old hmm. uh, of a woman who had a vision you know i don't want to get too far down that rabbit trail right now but it's it's these guys that are around president trump all have this it's called the pre-rapture a uh, pre-tribulation rapture they believe before the tribulation before the time of the antichrist the church will be raptured have you ever heard that before? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. But you can explain it if you want, because I'm not an expert. Yeah. So, so what they're saying is they believe that the church will never face trouble, never face persecution, never face martyrdom. I mean, that's their belief. It's kind of like a, a pipe dream or looking at the world through rosy glasses, because the church has suffered persecution, martyrdom. I mean, Jesus, John the Baptist was martyred, Jesus was martyred, James was martyred, all the early apostles were martyred except for John, he was the only one that wasn't martyred. Thousands and thousands of Christians were martyred in just in the uh, first century alone, and I don't yeah. know, hundreds of thousands have been martyred over the years. In China right now, they're being uh, Churches are being bulldozed. I mean, Christians are being hauled off to jail. The same in Iran. I mean, the persecution of Christians is heavy, but we think this pre-tribulation rapture is really kind of like a a English-American kind of theology. It's kind of like a prosperity theology, like God would never allow that to happen to us Americans, (laughs) us rich Europeans. But, you know, hey, you guys in China and, you know, Africa and all that, you can go through all that, but not us because we're special. You know, that's God doesn't show favorites like that. Yeah, but, I don't think so. Well, okay, so that's the, the leaders that Trump has around him, these Christian leaders you hear about, that's where that's the camp they're all from. And so the camp I'm from is the biblical camp, the camp that says what Jesus said, that says, You will see these days. You will you I will not come back until you see these things take place. And until you see this uh, seven-year treaty, until you see the abomination of desolations, it's called, and after the time of the the Great Tribulation, that's when he's coming, he says. So, and that's when the rapture takes place. So So, that's that's the camp I'm from. That's what my book talks about. Okay, so I can't resist though. who do you think he's alive? Who is the Antichrist? Um, or, or is it a spoiler? You can't talk about it. <laughs> well, I mean, no, of course I, of course, uh, I wouldn't know. And I, I kind of feeling like it'll be somebody in the uh, power structure that 
works on this uh, peace treaty with President Trump or whoever makes this peace treaty, if it was Trump, I, j I just think he is hated so much by so many people and it's so deep in them. Mm -hmm. I can't see this, even if he rose from the dead. I mean, even <laughs> if President Trump was assassinated and rose from the dead, I think people would say, kill him again. That's how much hatred there yeah. is here in the United States for him, uh, if you watch our media. Yeah. Well, Jesus didn't have everybody on his side either. No, no, that and that's absolutely true. Yeah. Jesus just had a, a rare, a rare group, and it's really the Christians he deceives. He's out to deceive the ones who don't believe in Christ. The Antichrist isn't worried about because they're already going to follow him anyway. Mm -hmm. So he's really out to deceive Christians. So that and that pushes it back over to somebody like Trump. Mm. who's loved by, and notice I say someone like him, who's loved by the church, loved by Christians, who does everything that, you know, everything Trump does, we go, yeah. Now, a couple of things on the economy, people are starting to get angry with him about, mm. you know, with this virus and everything. Yeah. But up till then, everything he's done has been, wow, yeah, he's great, you know. He prays, he goes, you know, he goes to church, he has Christians come and pray in the White House. I mean, he does all these great things for Christians. And uh, yep. his insecurity, I think, could, is the, the thing the enemy could really prey on. But it, to me, he seems, he seems too old and, yeah. you know, but, you know. So what are some of the other signs then? Uh, what are the things that have to happen? Well, the, the, okay, when, when his disciples in Matthew 24 and in uh, Mark 13 are they ask him about the signs of his return. The very first thing Jesus says is, watch out, no one deceives you. That's, that's the first thing he says. Watch out, no one deceives you. And then he says, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. They'll say, I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. Now, usually that's interpreted to mean like false messiahs, but you read that in plain English, he says, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. And I, I believe what that means is Jesus is saying there's going to be a widespread deception throughout the church where, pe where the leaders are actually deceived about his return. And uh, we're, living, we're living in that time where most of the pastors, and the reason I bring up the United States so much is because we're the last nation. I'm not saying we're the nation with the most Christians, but we're the last nation that puts on the, hey, we're a Christian nation thing. We still, in God we trust on our money. And we're the last nation with freedom of religion, really, that uh, on the power that exists. So when nations look at America, that's kind of, in Christianity, they see us as really the leaders. Mm -hmm. But in the church, uh, not 100%, but I would say, and I've, I've, known, I've, been in, I've been in the church for 35 years, and I love, I love the leaders in the church, but almost throughout the church, there's very little prayer among the leaders. Now, now this 
pandemic will get is getting people to pray, believe me, because they, they don't know what else to do. So they're turning to God to pray, which is a good thing. But uh, almost whole swaths of them have, have bought this idea with the pre-tribulation rapture. And when they really look at, when they look at really the end times, all this confusion that's been sown in theologically about the end times when Israel did not exist mm-hmm. had to be symbolic. It was like, well, Israel can't, you know, doesn't exist. So we got to make, it's got to be symbolic. And so most of them are totally confused. And when you're confused, you can't really, you know, if we're going to take a trip from Berlin to uh, London or whatever, well, you know, I'm just making this up. I don't know where you can, go in a car from Berlin nearby, but Poland, Warsaw, let's say, yeah. uh, that's a little bit of a trip. But if we're all confused about where we are now and where War- Warsaw is, how are we ever going to get there? You know what I mean? How are we going to make the trip? Yeah. And so that's where most of the church leaders are. They're afraid to talk about the end times anymore. You know, there, there's been so many false prophecies about it. Like you were saying 20 years ago, you know, mm-hmm. it was really a hot topic. Now it's almost the church is almost shut down on it completely hmm. because they're afraid to address it because of all the question, the confusion that's been sown into their thinking over the years because of all the false teaching. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. They're deceiving people, not, not on purpose, but just out of a confused state of mind, you know, they, that they're unsure of themselves. You that, know, that's the first done. one? Huh? That's, the, that's the first sign. And is then, deception, yeah. And, and then the what? leaders being deceived, yes. Yeah. And then so what has to happen next? Well, it talks about wars, rumors of wars, but th- those have been those are called general signs. The general signs mm-hmm. are the wars, rumors of wars, plagues, earthquakes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, famines. Those things have been happening for years, but there's a, a scripture also which talks about brother uh, turning against brother. Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting thing in the last century. Uh, when you look at a genocide, mm-hmm. you know, the, the look at genocide in the last century, there has been more genocide. I mean, brothers in one country turning against, you know, living in Germany, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, Hitler was a he was a forerunner of of the Antichrist. I mean, he was a guy who came out and he had all this charismatic and people loved him, but he turned he turned these he turned the Germans' hearts against the Jews and I mean got them to hate them enough to kill them, thinking they were doing a good thing. And this genocide's been happening in in uh, the Soviet Union. Germany, Croatia, I mean, you know, Sudan, you name it. I mean, all over the world it's been going on. Uh, Vietnam, Cambodia, where brothers are turning against brothers, maybe because they're a different color, a different race, a different religion, and they're turning against them and just killing them all, thinking it's a, a good thing. So I think that's a sign we don't look at that much. But that, in the last, I can't think of whenever it's happened that much. We don't know too much history before 1900 on things like this, uh, where it's been as widespread. 
Do you know what I'm saying? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Everywhere communists has taken root uh, mm -hmm. in a strong way. There's been a lot of persecution, a lot of, you know, the press is kind of shut off and these leaders do what they want, right? To the, yeah, yeah. To the people who are against them. So, so yeah. that's, a, that's a big sign. And then, then it comes down to uh, persecution. There will be perse widespread persecution against the church, which we're seeing all over the world. And now it's really heated up in America where uh, churches are shut down. Now they're being fined. I don't know if you've seen this, but churches are in some of the bigger cities are being fined like $5,000 because they held a meeting. The churches are already hurting for money. And now they're being fined $5,000, $10,000 by the government for holding a meeting. So yeah, now crazy. they have to get permission, you know, something that was our right to worship freely is now something we have to ask, we have to ask the government for permission to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even in America, that's happening. So Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, so those are all things that lead up to the culture of the Antichrist, but the internet is is one of the biggest things. Hmm. And the widespread communication, the ability, uh, the banking system all being connected to the internet. Think about it. You, everyone's got the little cards now. You know, who, who hardly writes checks anymore for anything? You buy stuff on Amazon and, you know, you do all this internet business with your card. You don't even need your card. You just, it's got your card already. You just hit the number and bam, it just goes. Yeah. And the fact that, all of us are connected to this, to this really old. It's like we built a tower to heaven like they did in the days of Balaam, or uh, not Balaam, Babel. In the days yeah. of Babel in uh, Genesis chapter 10 and 11, they built a tower to heaven. It says, God said, they're, what, he said, man, they're all speaking the same language. That's what we're doing on the internet now. We can order stuff from China. Well, we could order stuff from China before, but you're, you know, we're, we're speaking to all these countries freely on the internet, changing information. And it's just like become a one world economy, one world ecosystem. And that's definitely a sign because it says, no, you know, unless you take the mark of the beast, uh, no one will be able to buy or sell. So, Hmm. that's that can never be done before in the world you know where yeah. every person could be shut out of the internet unless they take the mark of the beast you know that's or, an interesting one because um uh it's very timely because facebook wants right. to enter the the e-commerce market so like uh alibaba is that big one in china ebay is the big uh -huh. one in the west and now it's it's all tied into their the the money the the cryptocurrency they want to make called Libra, and uh, uh, so if if Facebook um, Facebook shares have gone up a lot yesterday uh -huh. because they are entering uh, it's called Facebook Shop or Facebook Marketplace I'm not sure so right. knowing this and knowing that they already have your profile right and and uh, looking back at Cambridge Analytica, how well they were able to uh, know everything about you just from the metadata. And then if he, oh, he, uh, let's just say Facebook. If, they, if Facebook does uh, 
is successful in the e-commerce space, then they will be the biggest store in the world, even bigger than Amazon, just by the sheer number of users and the size of their platform. And so this is uh, maybe congruent to what you were saying, um, but actually you're the expert. So. <laughs> well, I, I'm certainly not an expert on uh, technology. Yeah. Although I've read a lot about, uh, I try to keep up with biometrics mm. and uh, to, to really see how far that's advancing. And I used to, I used to look at it every day, kind of like, what are the new, and I mean, every, for a while, every day, something was happening mm. uh, in the arena of biometrics that was just like never happened before. I mean, this yeah. is never, I mean, we're going through a season there where things have never happened before now become commonplace in just a matter of days. Yeah. And just the way they want, they want to, you know, use facial IDs at airports all over the world. That's becoming an internet. It's not fully implemented, but it's going to be fully implemented. It is in China. Yeah. You can't get on an airplane without your uh, facial mm -hmm. you know, recognition of, yeah. uh, approving you. And when it talks about the mark of the beast, it, it says it's the number of a man. It says the, the number of the beast is the number of a man. Uh, it says his number 666, and people will go, ah, 666, what does that mean? It's really about the number of a man, and biometrics is really the measure of who you are as an individual. In other words, what's your iris like? That's, so, that's unique to you. You know, what's your, uh, what's your smile like? That's unique totally to you. What's your, the way you walk, your gait, your handwriting? Yeah. Your fingerprints, all that stuff that's unique only to you. And the whole idea of biometrics is to be able to is to be a gatekeeper to allow you to cross the border or not cross the border, to allow you on the airplane or to stop you from being on the airplane, to allow you into a web uh, you know, computer system or to keep you out of it. The whole idea of biometrics is an idea of using that personal information that makes you totally unique and could shut you out or let you into something that's the whole the, the whole idea is based on yeah yeah and so uh when you get you know the very first chapter in the book i i just start out with this in the first couple of pages just saying okay the you know the beast is you know, we don't call him the beast. The Messiah is basically through a big party in Jerusalem and everybody's watching it. You wake up the next morning and you can't get on the internet. Like what's going on? Your car won't start because you got the chip. Your phone doesn't work. You can't get in the bank. Nothing will happen. All your neighbors are out there talking, going, what's, what's going on? You, you know, you say, well, I'm going to go up to 7-Eleven. They say, Hey, you need to bring some cash. And you get there. All these people are in line. Uh, because they got their cards and they won't work. And the guy saying, yeah. you got to use cash now until you get approved back into the system. And the whole system has shut you out. Yeah. Now to get back on, see, you're shut out from your bank, mm -hmm. your computer, all your stuff you do on the computer, you're shut out from everything. The bank won't even, you know, you walk in the door and they go, what's your number? Well, I'm pulling it up, but it's, there's a, yeah. a blocker here you know right so uh the idea my thinking of the mark of the beast is people saying 
I'll do anything to get back on the internet. I'll do anything to get back into my 401k, my savings account, the equity in my house, my kids' education, my career, everything I've worked my whole life for is basically locked up in there, right? And the whole idea, I believe the mark of the beast is gonna stop people for one second and, and block them out until they basically bow down mm-hmm. and, and basically give the beast their, whether it's their right hand or their eye scan and say, yes, I will, I will submit to your rules. I'll follow you. I'll obey your commandments. I'll, you know, I'll be one with you. You know what I mean? On this yeah, whole global yeah. uh, world of government and religion you're putting together. And I believe that's what it'll do. And people who are people who love their stuff more than they love Jesus are going to just take this or don't know Jesus are going to just, of course, they're going to want to be on back into their stuff. It's going to take some pretty determined people to say no at that point and say, I'll walk away from my house. I'll leave my car. I'll leave everything I have, except my girl, I'll take a bag of groceries out of the fridge and, mm. you know, cause they're going to yeah. come from my house next. Right. This and, is the point uh, where I always say we got to get Amish, you know, <laughs> I think, yeah. You know, I have a couple children, grown children that are moving out. My son's moved out to Arkansas to a little farm, you know, and they're, you know, they got their chicken. So, goats for milk and you know their pigs and the whole thing and my yeah. daughter's buying a little place in Oklahoma to live out in the country mm. and get you know, kind of not totally off the grid but be kind of on the border so you could get off if yeah. you need yeah. to and I think I think you're and it it's really about Eric it's about the it's about the father of you know God the father wanting wanting a bride it's called a bride in the Bible. That's even though we're men, mm-hmm. we're, we're called the, those who believe and follow his son, Jesus, mm-hmm. are called the bride of Christ. And the father wants a bride for his son. Hmm. Jesus laid down his life, not just uh, so people could be forgiven, but so that they could come into a family that they could be part of this bride of Christ. They could be part of his eternal family. And what we've become, because we're so tech savvy, I mean, we don't smell the flowers. We don't stop and look at the sunset. We don't look at the waves. You know what I mean? We're not smelling the air or looking at the, my daughter said, gee, dad, we were out at our cabin in Oklahoma looking out the window at all the stars. Yeah. You can see about 10 stars out here in Dallas, and you don't know if they're stars or satellites. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's like we're so far you know, removed in our everyday lives from the things God created. And he's like, I'm going to bring you, I'm going to bring you back. To, I'm going to bring you back to a simpler lifestyle, you know. And the one thing, one thing you really need is to know is to know my son Jesus you know that's that's really what what you know I I don't preach that I'm not like preaching that real hard but the book is is pointing to hey it's going to come down to a decision Mm -hmm. you know where you know that everyone who's ever lived on the planet everyone throughout history who's ever lived 
we can debate how long history's gone and all that, but every person who's ever lived up till the people living right now has died. Every, every, it happens to everybody. They all die. They get old and die, or they die from a sickness, or they die from an accident, but everybody dies, and we spend so little time thinking and preparing for the life after. You know what I mean? Like, what happens after that, Eric? I mean, you know, when I die, what happens, what happens to my life after that? I mean, we have this sense that there's more. We have the sensors of God. We have this in our heart. There's something, you know, missing in there. But we, we, you know, get distracted by this and fascinated by that. We run over here and we miss it. We miss what life's really about. What God created us for was to really was to know Him and be part of His, to be part of His family, to be part of uh, Christ's bride. And I again, the bride, like. Uh, girl women are called sons of God in the Bible. Well, it means sons and daughters, but just to make it simple, you know, we're all sons of God, but mm -hmm. my wife's not a man. She's a daughter of God, right? She knows that. We're all called the bride of Christ. That doesn't mean that we're, mm -hmm. we're going to turn into women, but what it means <laughs> is we're part of, we're part of his desire. The reason he created the planets, the reason he created the universe was to have a people at the end of the age that said, I'll give up everything to know you. I'll leave everything behind so that I can know you forever. If it costs me my life, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's really what we're heading to. And uh, so that's, you know, that's kind of a, a decision you're supposed to make right when you give your life to the Lord. I don't know what your background is, and I'm not going to try to evangelize you on your show, but okay. it's, like, it's like, what, why do I exist? Mm -hmm. You know, what, you know, if we look at all of history, you know, all of history, no one born before 1900 is alive now. We know that pretty much for sure. You know, and every year that passes, another, I don't know how many million die a year, but mm -hmm. a certain amount of years, everyone alive now, unless he comes back, will die as well. So it's like, why do we even exist? I mean, do we just exist so we can talk to each other on Zoom? And, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's more to it. And God, yeah. the one who made the stars in the universe, mm -hmm. says that he chose for himself. Uh, people before the beginning of the world, he chose uh, you. He, he was looking for you. Can you imagine hmm. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the, what we call the Trinity, thinking up this whole thing and going, man, there's going to be these two guys on the internet talking to each other from two different sides of the earth. Yeah. You know, like, who would have thought of this like 40 years ago? impossible right pretty cool here we are talking to each other right now and then it's like i'm creating this whole thing for these guys just to know me because i like that guy so much i see something in him i see something in tom but i see something in eric that my heart's my heart's burning for i want to share this i want to share everything i have you know the father all of who he is with a few people, you know, it's going to be more than a few, but it's, 
you know, with a hand, handfuls of people who say, hey, Lord, all this stuff, yeah, it's great. You know, all these big companies, all the success, all that. It's great, but, man, you're so much better, you know. You're where yeah. my joy comes from. You're where my peace and my, my uh, worth comes from. So that's kind of what we're, where the book is kind of, you know, what I'm trying to shine people toward in my, my, uh, you know, second grade, edu you know, my second grade <laughs> level of yeah. uh, communication. The Lord what? is looking for people that he can draw. He's drawing them in yeah. like a fisherman, drawing them in, you know, to himself. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say after that. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. well, we could talk about, uh, we could talk about Paul. You know, Paul. Okay. Tell me about Paul. Paul Brody. Oh yeah. I thought you were talking about the disciple. Oh, I had one more <laughs> for you. Wait a minute. I, I have several questions. I have several questions. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get to more questions. Okay. You, you got time? Sure. Okay. Maybe. Are you and my, I still have gas in my computer. So okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, you know, talking about technology, um, we had a reality check here a while ago. The telephone system was down. So oh. it happened while I was at the store. And guess okay. what? Nobody could use their credit cards anymore to pay or anything. Right. And right. what do you think was, uh, I mean, that was pure chaos on earth yes. right there. And just because we lost the telephone lines, you know, and everything was acting like it was the second coming right then and there in the store. You know, right. I can't pay with my credit card. We are so dependent on these damn telephone lines. It's, it's internet. Right. It's, it's scary. It's really yes. scary. And uh, I, you know, China out? is already doing the biometric thing with uh, WeChat or I don't know what it's called, but they already have social points which are uh, deduced from the algorithm from your social profile and i don't know what it's called wechat i'm not sure yeah. and, um, and and we the guy who runs the government has his own uh app did you know no, that no i didn't yeah, he has perfect. his own app where if you want to be a good citizen you get a you get like a little thing a little uh yeah. devotional every day let's call it where you read the story he has it's about communism and then you answer the questions and when you do that, then you upload it, you know, you load it back in, your citizenship score stays high. So yeah, a lot yeah that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, but you so know what bothers me the most about all that stuff is, like I said, me and my friends and family were talking about this 20 years ago. He said, 1984 is now, man. And that was 20 years ago when I still lived in the United States. And, oh, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're paranoid. Oh, yeah. Just just look up Cambridge Analytica. I don't know if people yeah. remember that, but just look it up. Cambridge Analytica was a big scandal because Facebook, Google, in the West, they're already doing like China. It's just not over the table. Right. You know? so That's why we have Edward Snowden now, because he showed everybody that they've been doing it for years, or we have been doing it for years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm a big Edward Snowden fan. I don't know. Anyways. I'm off on a tangent as usual. Oh, no, that's fine. I, okay. I, I saw the movie with him in it uh, or about him. And boy, that was fascinating. Just I haven't seen it. I got his book. I have to watch the movie. Which yeah, one? We, there, there, I think there uh, are two. My wife and I saw it. I think we saw it at the show. Okay, I the mean, new one, the big one. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, to see these underground 
facilities that the government has, you know, with all this stuff going on underground. It's like yeah. these vast complexes and everything of computers and these all these brilliant people working on all this stuff all day long developing. I mean, it's like, oh my, where where else? The natural end of this is exactly where it's going. It's going to be complete surveillance, complete control, and it'll all be Eric for our safety. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Course, because they they're looking out for our best, right? That's why I'm I'm such a big fan of Edward Snowden. Yeah. Uh, he voted for Obama, yeah. and then he saw Obama doing everything that Bush did, and uh, were doubling down on the biometric stuff. So that's why yeah. Edward Snowden became the leaker or right, whatever right. and uh okay but so now i'm kind of going in circles now like i said but we've been okay. talking like this for 20 years when is the end game you know yeah. <laughs> well i think the thing i'm looking for because yeah i i've seen uh i don't know if you ever heard of charisma magazine maybe it's a, it's a big charismatic uh it's but they've been around for 30 40 years but uh, they have a website. You can go to charismanews.com and they have uh, every once in a while they'll ask, you know, what is God saying? What are the signs? And they ask like 30 prophets, like, what are you seeing? What's God saying about his return right now? And they all, they all, they had, you know, well, the, you know, one guy's talking about the red moons, another guy's talking about the earthquakes, another guy's talking about the, you know, Trump, another that. And really the sign that, that Christ gave us, the sure sign in the word of God is this seven-year peace treaty. I mean, it's, it is the most publicized event, you know, prior to the return of Christ. That's, I mean, think about the return of Christ as the most advanced, uh, you know, prophecy ever. It's the most millions and millions of Bibles. It's the best seller every year, right? I mean, the Bible is the number one seller worldwide has been for, I don't know, 150, whatever the printing press started probably, but mm -hmm. uh, it's been promoting this idea of the second return of Christ forever to anyone who cares about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's all based on this idea of this seven-year peace treaty mm -hmm. with Israel. And it's some kind of security thing to, to make a peace pact with Israel and these other nations. That tied in with the rebuilding of the temple, I think are, are mm -hmm. until those two things happen, uh, you know, I, I think we should keep our cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, we yeah. shouldn't put all our chips in one, you know, one jar. I don't think you should, you know, invest everything in gold right now and, you know, bury it in your backyard quite yet. Yes. But I think, <laughs> and whether it'll do you any good at that time, I don't even know. But uh, yeah. I think I think I know from scripture, those are the only things that have not been fulfilled that have to be fulfilled. And everything else is like kind of a smoke screen. Everything else. There's going to be bigger earthquakes. I mean, there's, there's, man, more earthquakes now around the world. There's more disasters. I mean, there's more stuff happening uh, in it. I mean, in the United States, stuff we never heard about before, like these California fires and then the, uh, I don't know if you heard about the dams in Michigan today that broke two big dams, a 500-year flood, they said, wow. over the last few days, crashed these two big dams, and the, 
you know, rivers overflowed into, into towns and evacuated thousands and thousands of people. A huge emergency. Things are happening like all the time with that. Mm -hmm. And all these are just like confirmations that what he said is true. But until we see this seven-year treaty, mm -hmm. this temple be uh, rebuilt, we can, we can, you know, I mean, those are the two things I look for that keep, okay. that keep me basically walking on a straight line. Otherwise, <laughs> you could be chasing biometrics, you could be chasing false prophets, you, all, you know, all these things. Uh, but it's that that I'm kind of zoomed in on. And, you know, I believe it's going to happen in the next, I mean, how much further can we go with technology? Are we going to wait till robots are... <laughs> you ever see that movie Wall E? It was like kind of oh, a yeah, a long time ago though. Where all those people were laying there on the cruise ship, all these overweight people are in their trunks, you know. They're in recliners on the sun deck of this big cruise ship and they're slurping on big shakes <laughs> and watching their TV, you know, their video screens, and they're just totally asleep. And the robots are going around pouring them more milkshakes and stuff. <laughs> it's just like hundreds of them, you know, just all yeah. totally hypnotized I by their screens. So, I'm going to have to yeah, watch that movie far, again, too. How much further can we go as a you know, global civilization? Before well, the scary the part is that everybody accepts it, most, mostly. So we already all have biometric passports. Right. Um, yeah. The NSA and the government has already done it with or without right. our consent. Right. And so that's the scary part. But let me get one more question about the book and then we'll get into our, into our other questions. I, this one thing was standing out at me for a while here. The mission of my book is to help people see that, yeah, the concept of the end of the world is hardwired into the human DNA and is a gift from God. What's it about? So could you, Tell us about that for a second. Yeah, I was, uh, there have been more movies. You know, the movie industry isn't that old. But if you looked at the 50s, uh, mm -hmm. 60s, 70s, every decade, there's like uh, the end of the world movies. Kind of, in, now they're making more videos and movies than ever before. But there are literally hundreds of movies about the end of the world. You know, how the apocalypse, how the world ends, the great earthquake, the, you yeah. know, the great tsunami, all these things. And uh, all, also all the, all the fear about climate change, you know, mm -hmm. climate change, oh man, people are going crazy, ready to throw their soul away over mm -hmm. this idea of climate change. Uh, the pandemics, you know, this, people are like just, you know, they're so afraid, but I think this is wired into us from God because he wants us to look for a, a savior that will save us from this. You know, the, the true savior that's going to, there's a savior coming, there's, a, there's help is on the way, there's a deliverer coming to rescue us out of this but we've got to, we've got to see that and I think it's in the human DNA to, to know, we know things are going to end badly, poorly for the world. I mean, all, all these zombie movies where people, I mean, I've never, I've never watched a zombie movie, but I've seen enough yeah. commercials and stuff to yeah. know 
there's literally, I've seen more stuff on this, UFO stuff, you know, aliens coming, taking over the end of the world, all this stuff. And it's like, I, I think it's just pointing us to the fact that, hey, this world that we're trusting in, this world that we base our futures on, we're keeping our clocks on, our calendars, you know, your schedule on, all this is only by permission as long as God allows us to have the time, you know, mm-hmm. and he's predicted a day. He's, you know, he knows there's a day coming when these things will end. So what will it really be like? And I, I'll tell you what, Eric, I was, as I was part of this big church, uh, which I loved, it was a great church out in Arlington, Texas, a great pastor out there, Gary Hutchinson. I'll give him some if we're on the internet, I'll throw some uh, kudos at him. But I was, it was when Trump was first elected, when the election was going on, and then all the warfare after he got elected. I'm telling you, Eric, I wouldn't, I mean, after three days of the news media beating on you like that, the way they were coming against Trump, I mean, anybody would have been calling their doctor saying, give me, give me something put me out of this man i mean i thought he was going to resign in the first month or two i mean i thought how could any human being stand in this but as all this was going on the news the fake news the you know the no news the just all this stuff going on in politics the media i started thinking the antichrist this would be the perfect environment to him for him to be raised up in with all this deception that we is now being uncovered and we're seeing it for the first time. And the Antichrist would fit into this. He could be a senator right now. He could be a he could be a congressman. He could be a governor. He could be a news host. Well, I know who she is. I'm not gonna oh oh sorry. Yeah, I mean, he could fit in anywhere in America, in the media, in politics, and he would look like an angel next to a lot of these guys. Yeah. He he would be the guy, the good guy, the guy we're going, man, but, you know, John Jones over there, man, he's he's a righteous guy. You know, we'd all be looking (laughs) at him like he's the one guy that, you know, we can all count on. But all these, I mean, think about how wicked it's like snakes everywhere just biting and attacking each other uh the the environment is perfect Mm. the environment has never been better like this where somebody can just grab hold of all this the media the internet Mm. take hold of it make this peace treaty get the it's only a building the temple is only a building the dimensions of the temple are only uh supposed you know the 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 religious part of it is only supposed to be 30 feet wide by 90 feet long hmm. that's, that's not the, big at all 2700 square feet a lot of us have homes bigger than that yeah yeah that's yeah. the size of the the required size of it all the other stuff that was built onto it was all extra stuff that god never required when solomon was building the first temple it was really about glory to Solomon. It was really about glory to man. The whole time he was building the temple, he's, he's married to the a daughter of 
the Pharaoh, he's worshiping false gods. I mean, Solomon was the first king to really take Israel and start worshiping idols and false gods, right? While he's even, while he's building the temple. Hmm. And so the temple's just a building. I mean, me and you could build that thing, Eric, if we had a couple <laughs> contractors. I mean, we could, yeah. we could put up a building and build it, but it's, it's the politics have to be right. And I think, yeah. I think they are. I think it's going to all come together. Well, that was a bold move, moving the um, embassy back to Jerusalem. The first president to do it in, what, 50 years? Yeah, Everybody the, else didn't, didn't have the cojones to do that. Yeah. And went ahead and did it, surprised everyone. And uh, okay, uh, hats off, you know. Uh, but Tom, I could talk to you forever about this heavy stuff. How about some light, lighter questions? Okay. And then, uh, and then we'll, we'll have to wrap it up. So sure. um, who is your favorite author? Well, I would say my favorite author is probably the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. Or John. John and Paul are probably my favorite. I mean, okay. the Bible is really the book that I, that I read. I, I'm not really a big reader. When I was reading Christian books, I, was, uh, I loved a guy named Watchman Nee. He was a Christian writer back in the 30s and 40s. Really not even a writer, but he was a scholar. I think he wrote one book but a lot of his teachings were recorded and translated into English. Watchman Nee was mm-hmm. a really good uh, writer that I, I admired. And there's just so many, you know, guys out there. Yeah. Uh, Mike Bickle, the guy I mentioned from the International uh, House of Prayer, he's another guy that I really uh, enjoy. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Yeah. So oh, that's, cool. that's the answer to that. Right Give on. A light, light question. Yeah, okay, how about another one? What's right. the one thing you would do differently if you had to do it all over again? <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think uh, <laughs> you know, I, I haven't got to share that much of my life, but uh, I was raised in a big family. We had 12 kids mm-hmm. <clears throat> on the south side of Chicago, and I was number eight of the 12. So I was one of the little guys, and uh, I realized pretty quick that, if I did good stuff, like nobody noticed, but if I did bad stuff, uh, that got everybody's attention. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, negative uh, you know, press. Yeah, you know. So uh, my brother and I, who's a year older than me, my brother Frank, uh, got into so much trouble. But I, I think I decided we were raised in the Catholic Church, and I think when I was about four or five years old, I'm not kidding. I can remember thinking, I want to be bad. I don't want to be good. I want to be bad. And I think if I could do it again, I would have uh, not made that like vow or pledge because I spent a lot of years uh, troubled and in trouble and, you know, uh, trouble with authorities and the law and all those kind of things. And I, I think I really wasted my youth, uh, you know, uh, getting attention yeah. when I should have been you know, applying myself to, you know, study or relationships or a lot of things. So, so that would be the one thing I, I would do different. My wife and I, when we were 27, I was 27, she was 28, uh, gave our lives to the Lord. And it wasn't because we decided we want to be good. It was really the Lord 
corner had pushed us into a corner from all our mistakes and kind of had us where we couldn't go anywhere else. It was like him or die, you know, kind of thing. And I was an alcoholic. I was suicidal. I was on drugs. I mean, I was into every vice you can imagine. Uh, and uh, it was Jesus or death. And uh, I, he gave me a second chance. And so, you know. That sounds like a title for your next book. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so. So yeah, that's what I would do different. I would I would have never made that vow, and I would have uh, applied myself at a much younger age. So cool, that's a good one. Okay, so what's on the horizon for you? Any more projects? Maybe with Paul Brody or something? Yeah, I uh, I I wrote a book a few years ago, go called the Praying Church, which really went over big, but I I didn't really have a uh, I didn't have a uh, publisher or you know, distribution set up, but we, we distributed several thousand of them and we, you know, it was translated into Spanish and, uh, and, uh, Talagua, Talagua, Tagalog, Tagalog. There you go. Philippines. Uh, from some, uh, scholars, uh, Wycliffe scholars. And I don't know if you know Wycliffe, they translate the Bible. They basically, yeah, they create languages where there is no written language, and then they create a written language for that language, huh. and then they translate the Bible into that language for the people. And so some friends I knew that do, did that in the Philippines, uh, Moni and Marianne uh, Cho, translated our book and then distributed it uh, in the Philippines. And uh, you know, I don't know how far it went. I you know, I just wanted to get the book out. So I want to redo that book. I want to kind of like bring it up to date and redo that. And maybe I'll call it The Fire Falls. Yeah. Cool. Something with the fire in there, you know. Yeah. So we can uh, keep the theme going. So Right on. Right on. And you worked with Paul on this book, huh? Yeah, Paul Brody. And uh, I know he's a friend of yours. He recommended us. And yeah. uh, I was telling you earlier, uh, you know, Paul did a great job. I mean, the cover of the book, mm -hmm. you know, you can see it on there if you guys uh, mm -hmm. can see. He did a great job on the cover. He, you know, retitled the book. I, I, I had it named, uh, I had done a first draft of it. it, was called Stop End Time Confusion mm -hmm. Before Millions of Christians Take the Mark of the Beast. That was the mm -hmm. first, uh, that was my first effort. And so he changed the name and then uh, yeah. the the that and then did a beautiful job we we did as much editing we probably did 15 rewrites and then he had his editor uh, do the final edit and formatted it for amazon and did all that and so uh, without paul i mean i thank god that paul put uh i thank god that he put paul in my life because he really worked us through that whole process and got cool. the book to where it's being seen by you know, thousands of people that would have never seen it. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's, it's really awesome to have that book in your hands when it's done, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, not only because I've done, I've done a book before and I know what that's like, and I know what it's like to have boxes of book it, books in your shed at the end. And <laughs> so, <laughs> That's so the beauty is, of ebooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is good. Yeah. yeah. What so I think, I think yeah. I'm going to do that book over again. And then, okay. uh, yeah, but I've got more writing, I think. There's a few more books in me, but uh, we're just, uh, 
you know, connecting out here in the DFW area to what we call the, the, the praying church movement or uh, the house of church movement and house of, I mean, house of prayer movement and just, just want to see the, the church return to her first love, her one thing. And, yeah. uh, and to yeah. be awakened to what's going, you know, what he's up to in this hour. So cool. That's that's the main thing we're doing. And taking care of our grandkids. I mean, yeah. My wife spends uh it's a part-time job for her just to buy birthday presents, Christmas presents for our 19 grandkids and keep up with all those 19 you know, grandkids. Yeah. I mean, that's when we all get together. I mean, man. And they get bigger every year, and so it's just like, wow. Yeah. You know, that's a really exciting part of it. You got to start your own farm, your own cattle business. Yeah, I should. I got, yeah, I got some built-in workers there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so where where do you want everybody to reach you online? Uh, I I have a website that's just being built. Uh, it's just called Tom Roseman, uh, SR for senior.com and uh tom grossman senior.com or they can go to amazon you know get the book and yeah. uh reign of fire yeah and the reason i use tom senior tom grossman senior is i have a son tom grossman jr who's 41 so i mean he's a grown man and uh <laughs> he has a he has a ministry similar to mine and has had for years Cool. And uh, that way we can keep ourselves straight on Facebook and things like that because, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, people say, hey, I got on Facebook and, and saw you look so young on there. And I'm like, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> really me, you know, so. Yeah. Grossman is a, is a popular name in Germany too. There's a lot of them here. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's Tom, actually, I could talk to you for a long time. <laughs> yeah, Eric, I feel like we're buddies now. I want to yeah. like call you once a week and see how you're doing or something. Uh, we yeah. can do that. We can do a follow-up podcast, but um, uh, I'm going to have to get to bed now. So thanks again for coming. Okay, thank you, don't, Eric. Don't hang up yet. I'm going to hit the button, but don't hang okay. up, okay? Okay. All right, thank thanks for being on the podcast, and uh, I'll see you next time. Okay, thanks, Eric. God bless you guys. Okay, my friends, if you like that podcast, then remember to go to zbooks.co and go get all the materials to start your authoring career. We have a seven-day challenge every week, so there's no excuse to not finish your book. And remember, please go to iTunes and upvote this podcast and Google Play. Okay, I look forward to seeing you at the top. <laughs>